This is the Hour of Power with Ben and Courtney. Welcome back. This is session three. We're still here with Bob. We are finishing this session, landing it, because Bob has gone through some experiences that he has had in his life. And it is so enlightening to hear these kind of experiences because I think myself personally, I was an athlete for years, a competitive athlete, and I didn't go and do party scene because I was in such a strict I missed you. Yeah, yeah. I was I was swimming laps up and down the pool. Yeah, that wasn't something that I got involved in. And hearing something from another part of the world, because you're in America, and what was going on in California in 1966. So can you take us back? We are segueing into the last session, last part of this story, and you have the floor. Yeah, so I was just, you know, saying that uh, I was like Humpty Dumpty, um, but I had fallen. I was just a cracked egg, you know, on the sidewalk, and and I I didn't know how to get fixed. You know, by by 1972, actually it was 19, the early part of 73, my life was, it was kind of reaching the zenith of, of destruction. My marriage of four years, and I had a four-year-old daughter, uh, so I was 21 when I got married, and I married a little 18-year-old girl who I didn't know in my high school. She was a couple years younger, but I, I ended up hooking up with her later and got her pregnant. Um, we got married and had a four-year-old. That fell apart. She, you know, when you're stoned all the time, you're using drugs a lot, and she was fond of drugs too. And, and actually, she she liked barbiturates and downers. Um, I guess she was medicating herself is what she was actually doing, uh, whatever was going on in her life. That that was a doomed marriage from day one, all right? And anybody anybody could have seen that. I didn't see it. I, did, I wasn't thinking like that. Just wasn't thinking much. Um, couldn't work because I couldn't focus. I mean, how do I show up every day at the same time to some place for more than a week and perform because I'm messing around on this journey like what? was that that happened to me back at school that changed my life that captured the forefront of my priority list that was my priority to figure this out like why would i want to go choose a career how do you choose a career or a life path if you don't even know the nature of life if you don't know the name of the game how do you set your agenda everybody else is just like they just cured that problem because like there is no such thing don't worry about it this is an evolutionary process then that's just random molecules in a big giant tumbler. Um, our job is not to try to find an explanation that something that, for something that can't be explained. It is just to get your food every day, show up, get your paycheck, go home and share it with those people at home or not. You know, you don't have to share it. Just get yours. You know, don't bother me with those kind of questions. I mean, I know highly intellectual people, super smart intellectual people who that is their attitude. Those are questions that should not come out into the air, you know, or into my mind or anything. We're just doing our thing. That's the thing we do. Anyway, everything fell apart. And so Humpty Dumpty was just pretty much completely, you know, this this scrambled egg. Yeah, uh, scrambled brains, really. Uh, And at that point, when she left, an interesting thing psychologically happened. It was proof that I was a complete loser to me. I didn't need any additional proof other than that. 
I'm a loser and there is really nothing in life for me at this point. I can't figure out what the answer to it all is about and I can't deal with the stuff. I lost that. I mean, she's a loser and she rejected me. How bad am I? So what happened in that situation is that I did my pride, my ego, my self-realization go you know uh, rewards you know I, i'm something cool i'm a i'm a semi guru on my own you know um, i couldn't hold up those phony personas anymore to myself even i couldn't fake myself out and i was i was deflated entirely and at that time my soon-to-be ex-brother-in-law who was a couple years older than me he had been living over with jefferson airplane in a house big house victorian house and he was in the basement with Moby Grape, and uh, there may be some people out there still alive that, that remember those times, but my brother-in-law was living there, and I was a drummer. I was a rock drummer, and I, um, he, he came back to Sacramento, which was where I landed after my, my wife left, and she ran away with a dope dealer, and she died a long time ago, a horrible story. He came back. He returned to his roots, basically, in Sacramento. His family were very straight, very straight Baptist-type people, which I didn't even know what that was. I mean, I was not religiously familiar with anything. He took pity on me, started talking to me, started saying things that, that caused me to ask him questions, like, well, if you're, you're talking to me like you might have some kind of information that I might need to know. So I spent two weeks peppering him with all these mystical questions, you know, like that I had compiled over the last seven years. Have you been to intergalactic space and seen the light? That sort of stuff? Or? Yeah. Have you ever done that? Have you, like, what is the meaning of life? Yeah. Reminds, reminds me of Mr. Natural, and only really old people that were hippies know who Mr. Natural was. He, instead of answering me out of his own knowledge base or intellect, he picked up this, the best-selling book in the world history you know a book that I really never spent I saw it in motels when I was a kid into the drawer there like that's weird everywhere I go in the drawer in the motel room that book's there so it's the bible and I you know he started just pointing to specific verses in the bible and when I read them it was like a little light went off inside it dang that's a straightforward statement, uh, and it feels true. I can understand that. So over two weeks, I came to the conclusion that the Bible was a book of truth and substantially, qualitatively different than Meher Baba's book, for instance, The Everything in the Nothing, which you, you know, end up with nothing when you read it you, you get to the end i guess it's in the title you spend everything for it and you get nothing the guy's a genius so <laughs> you know i was convinced that the bible is is a book of truth and it's talking to me about i could feel it's talking to me about what i'm looking for but what do i do now do i tear like prisoners in jail they take the bible and they rip pages out and they roll joints with it and tobacco cigarettes and so that's a good use for it what I can't inject this Bible. I can't eat it. How how it's talking about something, but what what is it really talking about? So you wanted to have a physical ex or spiritual experience. I needed something stronger than LSD. I needed a genuine 
you know, how do I get back from where I went? Part of me, I left part of me out there. I don't know where that is. I'm worried about that. I'm worried I'm going to kick the bucket without ever figuring this out. And, you know, and I, I had good reason. I was like, whoa, 25 years old. That's pretty old. And uh, it's funny being 75 now. So I needed something stronger than the drugs that had changed me. I need something stronger that can change me back. Like, where's the repair shop for this? And I didn't know how to ask that question because I couldn't conceive of an answer. It was like, this book is amazing, but but like, what the heck is it really talking about? Can it, can it, what? So I, I, I was with my in-laws, not, you know, during this time and um, my brother-in-law and my other soon-to-be ex-in-laws, we, uh, we were in their, in their house. This other in-law who was really straight and I just thought these people were the lamest human beings <laughs> I had ever met. I mean, I had really no respect for them. Didn't think they were worth anything to me. They're not cool. They are so straight. I am so not straight. What do you mean by straight? Straight is non-drug users, especially non-psychedelic drug users. Like, yeah, you haven't been to Planet Xenon, you know? Like, I've been to Planet Xenon, man. You know, you've never been out of Sacramento. What do you know? You are useless, yeah. yeah. Like, you go to work every day. What a waste, you know? Um, so, we're there in their house, and they're nice people. They, they were always cordial, always nice, but lame. And uh, the guy goes, he looks at me, and I am looking like death warmed over, and he, he couldn't contain himself. He goes, Bob, you know, can, can we pray for you? Can, you know, can we? I don't know what that means, but I feel like crap. And so I'm like, well, okay, that's like you can ask me would you like some of the magical coleslaw that we eat? And I'm like, yeah, you got magical coleslaw? I want that. You know, I'll try it. I'll try anything. I've tried everything already. That's how I got here. So he comes over, and they pull this little pamphlet out, and we go through it, and we we pray this prayer. You know, I'm supposed to know. I'm supposed to know Jesus now or God. There's, it's like, okay, this is ridiculous because this is a little comic book that we're talking about. We just... <laughs> You just showed me a little tiny, super cheap, stupid comic book, and I already know I'm doomed. I know I can tell right away this is not going to work. It's not even 3D. This is really it's bad. Not, yeah. You know, this like this is your religion. This is your great answer. Like a little comic book. Where's Wally? This is not good. This so, is not good. It's not good. We prayed. Nothing happened. Just like I expected. Except they get excited. They're all like, "We just did something amazing. We just." got Bob to pray with us and I'm like nothing happened and inside I'm having a very bad experience like I just tried the last possible option in the menu I've eaten everything else on the menu except that little thing there and now I just had a helping of that and nothing happened there's no nutrient in there at all they're like acting like something happened and I'm thinking nothing happened and I'm not going to pretend something happened if that's your religion is just a phony pretense forget me, man, I'm out of here. But I got distracted by the fact that a swirling black ball was levitating outside the sliding glass door of their family room, and it it was coming after me, and I knew exactly what it was. So I'm looking at that ball. It, that's a shimmering ball. It goes from the size of a bowling ball to like a basketball to getting bigger and bigger. And it comes through the glass doors, and it's in the room, and it's coming for me. And I know what it's like. It's like somebody's got a vacuum cleaner. 
I'm looking in the black end <laughs> of a long suction tube image. Yeah, and it's gonna. I know. I mean, inside, I know. I'm going into there. I'm going into that black place, and this is the end of me. And they cannot see that at all. No, they can't see that. So you're kind of panicking at this. Yeah, point? I'm. T- I can't even panic. I'm out of energy. I just, I'm done. You know, my tank is exhausted. I, I tried to breathe the fumes of hope that they were breathing, you know, wafting my way with their message. And there's nothing in the fumes. It doesn't ignite. And this ball was waiting for that moment to come and swallow me and take me to the place where I'm like the bag. I'm going into the vacuum cleaner bag. I'm just sitting there waiting for it to happen. I figure I'm actually literally going to bodily disappear into this tube. I'm diverted right at the last moment because my brother-in-law is on the phone excitedly talking to some buddies. You're never going to believe what just happened. Bob DeWitt just accepted Jesus. And I'm like, I got to get out of here now. I get out of here now. And The black ball is here. The black ball is here. Where is the black ball? It disappeared. It literally disappeared when I was tuned into him talking. And oh. I'm like, but I'm, I'm out of there. But I couldn't move. And I, I just listen to them, and, and they come in, and they have seats. They, they make themselves in the circle of seats in the room. And I'm, this is sounding <laughs> weird. Sorry, where, like, why are there all these people coming around? When they at work? Or they're just waiting outside? Is this like on a weekend or something? It's like a weekend gathering. Good question. I don't know. Were they waiting down the street? Like, what is this? They all just spawned. That's a bad image. Um, Sorry, so, but the black hole at this sure point. did not come out of the black hole. The black hole is gone. The black hole is gone, and I'm not even thinking about it now. I ex- right. escaped that, and I'm You're just concerned like, with the celebration. That's not a bad thing. I'm probably feeling a little better, to tell you the truth, now that I think about it. I'm probably like, the black thing is gone. But these people are nuts, and and I'm and I'm got to get out of here. And now they're making a circle around me, like I'm. They cleverly made a circle with me as I'm a link in that circle, and they're starting over here. People are starting to pray to the God that they think I know, which I don't know, and it, it doesn't make. I, I'm I'm kind of worried, you know, because I realize they expect me after the last guy on my left is done praying now it's my turn and you, I, you, you think you could just you just remain silent i couldn't even do that <laughs> i just felt like i i really i gotta get it out of here and then this this little voice this thought inside my head goes what do you have to lose and i and i responded that's a good point that's a really good point i don't have anything to lose at this point so they came around to me and I just said, I just, I didn't know what to say. I'd never prayed before. And I just had heard about 12 people pray. And I picked up some of the words they said. They were talking to Father. So I go, my eyes are closed. I go, Father, thank you for making me your child. And so inside my black black hole that was within me you know I had my eyes shut and that was all I was doing with I said those words I was instantly I didn't go through cosmos I didn't go through the tunnel to the white light or any of that I was instantly somewhere else and it was golden radiant warm liquid energy light everywhere from there was no delineation of objective 
furniture or anything there. There was, you know, I'm in the middle of some kind of a star. You've and left your body. I was gone, yeah. I was just there in my consciousness. So I didn't, I didn't have a sense of, of moving or traveling. I was just instantly there. And it felt indescribably amazing. It felt better than, than the drug experience. It was different than the drug experience. It was golden light, and I was instantly there, and it was incredibly healing. And I, this thought went through my mind. I can feel my brain cells coming back to life because oh. I knew I had seven years of like pouring chemicals into my brain, right? Brilliant thing to do. Can you describe, because the first one was you're floating, shooting through the space, shooting through the cosmos. So you're in the light again, but it's... You but can, it's a different light. It's a different light. It's more tangible? It's different color. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's through me. It's going through me, being irradiated from the inside out, and it's shining everywhere from coast to coast. And there's nothing else there except that, and it's warm, and it's even more tremendously impressive than that first experience. It's, it's kind of, you know, and that changed my life, but this was changing my life. And I felt my brain cells coming back to life. And as soon as I thought that thought, I could see something. And it's hard to say that it was like five feet from me. It could have been 5,000 miles from me, but it was the only thing I could see. And it was like a large chair, like a throne, like a, like a recliner chair, like a, just a big chair, like something a king would sit in. And there was a figure of a man, of a human being. I could tell it was a human being. I realized that all the light, all the energy, all the radiance was actually emanating from that chair and from the man. And then there was a voice, and it said, now you know who I am. There was no name tag on, on him. There was, there was no recognizable clothing. It was like he literally was made out of the, the, the it was just wow. radiating. You know, so as the, the throne as I had realized all the radiance was emanating in there. And yes, and, I, and then I was instantly back in this living room with these Baptist people who, uh, you know, in Sacramento. And this was 1973. It was just a day or two. My birthday is March 30th. It's just a day or two from Easter. And it's, it's not quite my birthday, but it, and it wasn't. It was like a day or two from Easter, so somewhere between the 30th and whenever Easter was in 1973. I'm back there, and my eyes are like saucers, you know, my jaws hanging. That happened to me just in a flash. And I'm looking at these people, and my brain is trying to handle what my opinion of them as the lamest people in the world, and yet they were the keeper of the keys to this kind of a cosmic thing and I'm thinking how could you because I assumed they knew exactly what just happened to me I figured that you get to do that you get to go you know like you go there and you you're like yes now you know who I am and so you all guys did that and like you you how could you not tell me that stuff you would seen me for the last seven years be a total freak how could you know that and not write books about it or scream it from the you know housetops? So that was a big uh, myth in my brain that they knew. They never knew. I never actually ever told them. So that was 50 years ago. Wait, so you had this experience. You've come back into the room and you didn't say anything. 
But what were they doing? Were they looking at you, waiting for a response, or were they just talking and eating sandwiches? They were. We were just wrapping up the little prayer time, and like they're all happy. Cause... So it, it's almost like, however long that moment seemed, it seemed to just be just like, like a almost a second for them. Yeah, it was just like this. It was just you know, and it probably yeah. was only like to me, it was enough time for that to happen to me. For them, it probably seemed like I had my eyes shut for a moment, and then I opened my eyes and I was kind of looking like I just got whacked with something. Uh, I was, I just got transformed. My whole personality just got a major upgrade. Can we ask this final question to wrap this up, which is the most important question? You had that first experience, which we talked about in part one. Can you describe how different or how much different it was to this this experience over here that you just described and why you didn't have the same experience the first time. Like you saw the man sitting on the great chair. Where was he maybe the first time? He wasn't there. It was just mind to mind. I didn't pray to meet God. I was smoking dope. And there's a difference in the context of my life at that time. So from there on, after you've had this second experience, you could feel your brain cells coming back to life. And so when you came back into your body, there was a marked difference. Yeah, I was different. I mean, I had a big smile on my face about the next three weeks. It seems as though this experience didn't have to bear the consequences or there wasn't such a high cost compared to searching after the gurus and then the drug use. Like, it seems like those were the tools you were using to try and have spiritual experiences, but those spiritual experiences started to become darker and darker, and it just was a plague. Yeah, right. I mean, it's really so simple that it's ridiculous. We like things to be complex, I guess. Maybe we have a fondness for that or something, but um, once you realize that all that complexity is just nodding your brain into a tangle that you will not be able to untangle, without help. I don't even know why. I mean, you can ask him. If you meet him, you can say, why do you, why'd you make the universe the way it is? He's not going to really tell you. You can't understand it. There's some things that God only can understand and our existence and why we're here. We don't have to understand it to live an amazing life and to, be a, to, to have it together. We don't have to figure it out. We don't have to know the answers to everything and be that kind of a, you know, he's not trying to make little gods out of us. He, he, he treats us more like we're his beloved children. So that's a great place to be. If, if you ever see a little child who actually has a daddy or a mama that loves them like that, they're happy. They're cool. They're not all tangled up and messed up. So that's what God's trying to do for people. So, so Humpty Dumpty got put back together again. That's the amazing part of that story is like all the king's horses and liquid light glue better than duct tape, better than super glue. Yeah. All the king's horses and all the king's men can't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. It's the wrong king because this king can put it back together because he's the king of the universe. And that's how you unscramble scrambled eggs. So happy now. And it's a new brand egg. Well, thank you so much, Bob. That is so incredible what you've just talked about and what you've run us through. And I feel like this could be something that maybe even whoever's listening could actually glean from and just really chew on. You're 75 now 
and I'm thanking you for imparting your life experience to us as well and taking this time for this. So Thank you guys for letting me do that. That was great. I hope somebody out there um, can get something out of that. Yeah. Thanks so thank you, Bob, and we'll see you guys for the next episode.